Well, this lunchtime, I was sitting at home and I was going through my diary, working out the dates for the rest of this year. And um, I nearly collapsed in shock when I realised that we only have four more Sundays till the carol service. And one of those Sundays is the baptism service. I was thinking, oh my goodness, what has happened? This year has just raced through so fast. And uh, I just can't believe where it is going so fast. Um, And I wanted to uh, think about that a little bit later on, um, about the Christmas things coming up. But last week, um, Martin and I, we went and had um, an eye test, you know. Um, We get to that certain age, yeah, we all know it, uh, where you're going like this with your phone, you know, when you're drawing it closer to you and your book, you'll kind of realise that you're reading it a little bit closer. And we've been doing this for like a couple of years and uh, we decided it's time to go uh, and get an eye test. So we went down and had this eye test done and uh, it's really bizarre because we have exactly the same eyes. And the optician said, actually, if you want just one pair of glasses, you can share them between you. Um, But I don't think that would quite work. Um, So... um, and we, uh, <laughs> he, he's, have you seen my glasses? Yeah, they're very red and very big, and I don't think Martin would like them, but I love them. Um, but um, so she said to us, um, yeah, just use them for reading and what whatever close work you're doing, that's all we need them for at the moment. Um, so, um, yeah, put them on and got home, and it was like a whole new world had opened up to me. You know, I didn't have to put my phone on big print anymore, or I wasn't reading my large print Bible anymore. I can go to my small print Bible. It's fantastic, and uh, it, it's just been amazing. And tonight, I just want to have a little think about how God wants to change our vision, how God wants to change our vision on some things that we go through, and maybe even some things that we suffer sometimes, difficulties in our lives, and how he can turn those things for his good and for his glory. We've just sung it, haven't we? You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for our good. So we're going to have a little think about that tonight, about changing the way maybe we look at things. So I want to um, just base it on 2 Corinthians tonight, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. It says this, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, Yet inwardly we are being renewed every day. For our light and our momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So what Paul is basically saying here is that our troubles are small, Okay, our troubles are small and won't last very long. Now, you might be looking at me this evening and thinking, if you knew what I'm going through and how long for many, many years I've been going through it, it's a very, very long time and my troubles are huge. And we might even be able to say to Paul, what are you talking about? Small troubles, small difficulties. Your life, Paul, doesn't seem too rosy and without its troubles, okay? Um, He goes and preaches and he's thrown in jail. He preaches and he gets beaten up, preaches and gets shipwrecked. The Bible even tells us in Acts 28, he gets bitten by a snake, okay? Paul's life isn't all that rosy, but he's saying that our troubles are small, He's saying that our troubles are small and won't last very long. And we might say, but Paul, it's lasting your whole life. You've had a life of trouble. And he says, it's not my whole life. You're looking at my earthly life from my birth until my death. Is that how you measure your life? 
Paul looked at his life in the, you know, the words of the hymn that we sing and we sing it and we love it. If Mel's here, we love it so much. Um, Amazing Grace. You know, and in that, in that amazing grace, it says, you know, we've been singing there. We've been there for 10,000 years. And we've no less days to sing his praise than when we first begun. That's how Paul saw his life. He knew that he um, was an eternal being. His thinking was so much bigger than his life here on earth. So he says, my life on earth, it's not that big. You know, my troubles, the difficulties that I have when I'm in eternity, when I've been there 10,000 years and I'm still singing, it's going to feel like a speed bump on the way. It's going to feel like a bit of a blip in the way. He says that my troubles, they won't last seem very long when I at last die and I'm in heaven. Even the thorn in my flesh that seems to have bothered me all my earthly life won't seem like long when I'm in eternity because it's not going to last forever. The troubles won't last forever. But here's the thing. What God produces in us and in our character and what he does through through us will last forever. What he does in those moments will be eternal. Whatever suffering we have here on earth, physically, emotionally, you're not going to keep them forever. It's not going to last forever. We won't take them into heaven with you. But what God produces in you as you go through that struggle, the closeness and the walk that you have with God, you will keep that forever. That will be yours for eternity. The Bible tells us that he's producing um, for us an eternal glory, eternal glory that far outweighs the weight of suffering that he's giving us the strength to get through and to carry here on earth. So verse 18 says, we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on the things unseen. So we fix our gaze, fix our sight on the things that we can't see, not on the things that can we can see. The truth is, is that if you fix your gaze, if your gaze is only staring at the things of this world, maybe on how many Instagram followers you have, how much money you have in your bank account, how many devices you have at home with a little apple on the back, what trainers, what brand of trainers you have. If you fix your, your eyes on these sorts of things, then your gaze on life is actually broken. It's broken and it needs to be fixed. It needs to be fixed. We need to fix our gaze on the things unseen. We have to sit, fix our mind, the Bible tells us, on the things above. Fix our gaze on the things above. We don't look at what we can see, the troubles that we see going on. We fix our gaze on the things that we cannot see. He says, for thing, the things we'll see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. They will be the eternal things. In 1990, um, NASA, you know NASA, um, completed what had been a, a dream for 20 years. Okay, does anyone know what that dream was in 1990? Many of us were alive back then. You'll know when I say it. And many remember the moment in history uh, when NASA launched the most powerful, most versatile telescope um, into low Earth orbit. The name of that telescope was 
Hubble, Hubble, yeah. Do you remember Hubble, the Hubble telescope? I can remember it going up and being um, an amazing moment when Hubble went up. And it was a hugely ambitious project. It was a huge project that they had been working on for such a long time. Um, this size of this thing, they say, is the same size as a tractor and a trailer together, okay? So they were sending that up um, into space. It was a huge, huge project. And they said that it would fly around the world once every 96 minutes, which is an incredible feat when you think of the size of that thing. And it would take pictures of the heavens and would beam it back down to Earth. And it was so exciting. Everyone was so excited about it. They spent $1.5 billion on getting this thing up into space. They justified um, the expense by saying it was going to give us the clearest, the best pictures that we've ever seen of our galaxy, of the solar system. They said it would be something that we've never seen before. And it would go right and sit above the atmosphere um, and take pictures with an unobstructed view. We would see things and learn things that we'd never, ever seen before. So they get this thing up there, okay, and they're really excited because it's got up there. Um, and they turn it on, and all the scientists and everyone from NASA are all gathered around this screen, waiting for the signal and the pictures to be received back down on Earth. And they're, you know, sorry if you're into it, but I bet they're really nerding out. These guys who are really into it, you know, are sitting there waiting. This is, we've spent all this money. They're waiting for it to happen. And Hubble starts to transmit data, okay? Now, you can imagine, it's 1990, you can't imagine, um, but the internet connection was, like, not great. Do you remember when it used to go, like, that was it? And it used to go, like, do you remember that before it used to connect and it'd take ages and ages and ages? We were chatting yesterday. Um, we were chatting yesterday with the young adults and um, we were at Decenerf, the girls and me um, and uh, we were sat there and we were chatting and I was going, do you remember when this used to just be this size and we had Maison Caro and they looked at me and went no, <laughs> like no what are you talking about and I realised how old I am, um, but you know you guys, you're just like, I don't know say to Siri, download a song or whatever you're doing and it's there and it's on your thing we used to um, I think I've told you this before, but we used to have to, I used to, phone up Island FM on a Saturday afternoon and say, can you play my favourite song? I'd wait there all afternoon until they played it and quickly press record on my cassette tape, okay, and wait when that song came. And then that would be the way I had it on my tape. And I'd always miss the first 10 seconds because they'd be saying something and I'd miss the first 10 seconds. But that's how we did it. That's the way we did. And I used to walk around my little Walkman, do you remember those? And the tape would get chewed and you'd have to wind it back with a pencil, and that's what we did. Anyway, that's what, that's what they were doing, okay? They were sitting there waiting for this thing to come down, this... <laughs> waiting really excitedly for the pictures to come, and finally the image came, and number one, Jeff, this is what came through, okay? And they were like, oh... This has not worked, okay? This does not look like we were expecting it to look. It's just a black kind of square with some blobs on. And they were really, really disappointed because they'd spent all this money and they got something back that looked a bit like one of those just Space Invader games that you can't really see anything on at all. So they were really, really gutted. So they went back to the drawing board and they were like, what has happened here? What has gone wrong? And they realised, I'll read this, that the primary optical component had been miscalibrated. Okay? So basically, Hubble couldn't see. 
Okay, it couldn't see and it needed some glasses. That's what it was saying. It needed some glasses. The telescope needed glasses because it, it couldn't see. It needed a new lens. It needed a new outlook. So someone came up with this incredible solution. Dave, this is right up your street. They literally built this massive contact lens, okay, this huge contact lens that they decided to send up into space to put on the end of Hubble, okay? And they managed to do it. They got the space shuttles and they sent it up, and I don't know what they did, if they had contact lens solution or what they did. They kind of suckered it on to the end of the telescope, okay? And once they got a new lens on, they waited again for the image to come through, and they got... This, Jeff. <laughs> down button. Just down. We're waiting. Look. Whoa. They got this. And then they got this, Jeff. The next one. <laughs> and then the next one. This, which was like wonders that we'd never seen before. And they were just so excited because they were getting images, which were just amazing images, really, which just show the awesomeness of God and his creation and how vast, you know, the universe is. Um, but that new lens helped Hubble to send down the pictures really clearly. It was basically just like Martin and I needed some glasses. It just needed a new lens. Thanks, Jeff. Why was Hubble seeing blurry? <laughs> was it because the Milky Way or the galaxy was at fault? No. The beauty was always there. It was because of what Hubble could see through the lens that it was looking through. It missed the beauty that was right there in front of it. It was a lens problem, not a situation problem. I love this quote. We don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. Often we miss the beauty because of what we is going on in our own hearts and in our own lives. We see the world as we're used to seeing it. I remember when we were young, my dad always had a beard. Always had a beard when we were young. Dad, <laughs> tell the story. I didn't rise you in tonight. I've just seen you, seen you as I looked up. And he always had a beard. And I remember when he decided to shave it off, and it took my mum quite a while to notice it, God, um, because she was just so used to seeing him with a beard. You know, we get used to it, don't we? You know, we get used to things, and, and we miss, we don't see sometimes what's around us because it's always been there. And we miss the beauty um, and seeing the world um, around us because we've got so used to seeing it in a certain way. And in a, uh, for a couple of moments, I just want us to challenge us really in this passage of the Bible about the lens that we are choosing to look through, the lens that we're choosing to look through in our lives, to view the things that we view the most difficult things in our lives. What lens are we looking through? Now, I don't know what you've been through, I can't say for each one of you the pain or the worry or the anxiety that you carry. I don't know what problems you're going to face in the days to come. But I do know that how we respond to those things, how we react to those things, is everything to do with the way we look at them and the lens that we look through when we're looking at them. And my prayer this evening is that if you take away nothing else, we take away this sentence. Suffering is not an obstacle to you being used by God it's an opportunity for you to be used like never before. Okay, it's an opportunity for you to be used like never before.
That's the lens that we need to look through when we're looking at our difficulty, our pain, some hardship in our lives. And I've just got three takeaways this evening. Um, as we, at the end, just pray that the Holy Spirit would just help us to have a really clear view again. Eugene Peterson says, reality is made up mostly of what we cannot see, of what we cannot see. So number one, don't rely on the naked eye. Don't just rely on what you're seeing in front of you. The truth is we'll always lose heart. We'll always become downcast if we only look at things from our own human perspective. When we look at things just through our own human eyes. If we want to be able to do um, the impossible, um, then we have to choose to see the invisible. <laughs> okay? We have to choose to see what is not what we can't see just in front of our eyes. We have to choose to believe in the invisible. And that's why all through the, Old Test- the New Testament, sorry, we see people doing extraordinary things, doing great things, even though they were going through really real difficulties. That didn't define them because they put their trust and their faith in God. They lived by faith, the things that they couldn't see. They put their trust in God. They were choosing to see it through the lens of God's plan for their life, not just their own plan. So how do we do that? It's so much easier said than done. I'm just saying tonight, and it sounds like it's so easy, but I know this is difficult, and it's really difficult. When you look at something, and something makes you afraid, or you become fearful, or you become anxious, do a double take. Okay, so when you look at something, do a double take. Look, do the double take and look back at God's word. Look back at the Bible. Have a look at God's word. We need to have that faith. How do we get more faith? Romans 10 says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. It's through the word of God. We, our faith grows as we allow the word of God to really sink deep into our hearts and into our lives. If we're lacking peace, if we're lacking strength, if we're lacking wisdom, if we're worried, if we're nervous, if we're feeling fearful, if we're stressed out, if we always assume the worst, you know, if we always you know, see the worst in the situation, start the, right, the day with the right lens on so that you can stand firm. I know for those of you who probably wear glasses permanently that the first thing you do in the morning is grab your glasses and put them on. You'd go through your day with your glasses on because it helps you to stand firm. It helps you to get the right footing through the day. It helps you to live the day correctly, otherwise you're seeing everything through a blur. And it's exactly the same with the God's word. I can't emphasize this enough, how start the, the day with the word of God. Even if it's just one verse, just read something that will start your day in the right way and live your day through that lens, through that lens, looking at your situations through the word of God. It will just help you to get your footing right, right at the start of the day. The second thing is train for the trial that you're not yet in. Get ready for the trials that, you're, that you, you are coming your way. You might not even be in a trial at the moment. You might be saying, actually, my life's amazing right now. Well, that's fantastic. But get in training. You know, I always say we have two calendars in life. We have like our, the calendar that we plan and the calendar that happens to us. Okay, so um, very soon as we come into the Christmas period, you'll start to hear questions like this. 
You got any holidays planned for next year? You got anything you're doing next year exciting coming up? You know, you start hearing those questions. People like to know what you're planning. And you might be planning holidays next year. You might be planning a wedding. You might be planning a birthday celebration. There might be different things that you're planning. And it's good, I think, to have a plan. Jordan was laughing at my diary today. He was saying to me, you write everything down. And I say, I have to write everything down, Jordan. Um, So I have my diary and it looks like masses of stuff all filled out because I love my diary. And then we were talking about something. He was going, I don't know how you do that. Write it down. And then we went and we said... (laughs) I said to him, what date's this? And he went, oh, no, I've double booked. And I was like, yes, Jordan, that's why you have a diary. We were working it out. Um, But you plan, don't you? But you don't plan, I'm sure, well, I wouldn't think so, um, the bad things. January the 12th, my tyre's going to go flat. Okay, one week in March, I'm going to get struck down with illness. Um, Another week, I'm going to financially lose a lot of money. You don't plan the bad things in. We only plan the good things. And I think it's good to remember that we can make a plan. We plan the way, but God directs our steps. God directs our steps. And sometimes that means going through the valleys that we would rather avoid, that we'd rather never put into our calendars. But God's plan is always the best. We need to trust God's plan. He can see around the corner that we can't see. He can see beyond what we can see. That's why I always think it's a mistake when we walk out of church. If we walk out of church and say, I didn't get anything from that tonight, didn't get anything from it, didn't get anything from the worship, didn't get anything from the word tonight, that's probably one of the daftest things we can say, you know, because I encourage you to take notes because it might not be for today, but God might be preparing you for next week or the week after when you can look back and think, actually, that was for me. I didn't get like 100 goosebumps and feel the presence of God. I, you know, it wasn't all lovely and beautiful. But actually, I've got a word there that's going to build me up for that time when I go through that difficulty, when I go through that trial, that I'm ready and I'm prepared. And God has already prepared me for it. That's why we have to be faithful to let God speak to us. Let God speak to us. We're being prepared maybe for something to come that we're not yet in. And this evening, I really want to encourage you um, to eat before you're hungry and to drink before you're thirsty. Feed yourself before you're at that point where I really need God. Feed yourself up now. Get yourself ready. You know, um, Martin's grandparents are like, 96 and 94, okay, and they live at home on their own, and they have one room that is there in case a bomb goes off room, okay, so they have like, it looks like our food bank in there, okay, it's just got tins of fruit and mince pies and all sorts of things that they could probably survive for a month, you know, if they had to without going out, okay, and and that's what I'm talking about, get yourself prepared, get yourself ready, Get yourself stored up on the word of God, ready for when you need it. You know, we need to realize that life right now might be amazing. It might be rainbows and unicorns and fluffiness and you're feeling great and you're floating and it's absolutely brilliant. And that's amazing. But there will be a day that you're going to need to rely on what you've been feeding on, 
what you've been fed on. That way you can be strong and steadfast and unstoppable in those difficult times. You can actually say, you know, like we talk about the wise man who built his house upon a rock. You can say, actually, I've really built up strong so that when these storms come, I'm standing strong. I'm standing on the rock, on the foundation of Jesus Christ because I've built that up in my life. And I also believe that God will give you strength as you lean into him um, in times of blessing for the times of difficulty. The problem is, you see, I think we often rush to church when we're in a difficult situation, or we rush to the Bible if we're suffering, or we rush to pray when we're struggling. And that's really good. And I say, do it, obviously. That's great. But, you know, it's often in the times of blessing that we take our foot off the accelerator and we start to cruise a bit because life is kind of good and kind of easy. But what we're kind of silently saying to God without verbalizing it is, God, I'm going to come to you when I'm suffering, but when I'm doing okay, actually, it's all right. Thank you. I'm all right. Thank you. And we need to learn to lean into God and bless God in the times of our blessings in our lives too, to give God everything in the good times and the bad times. We need to train for the trial that we're not yet in. And finally, let God use your pain. Let God use your pain. I believe one of the most powerful ways to move through hardship is to believe that inside every pain that we face, there's actually power that God wants to release. God wants to release his power. It's kind of tucked away. And it may sound like a difficult statement, but wherever God has allowed suffering to come your way, it's actually quite an honor in disguise. I love the way that um, Charles Spurgeon said it. He said, God gives his most difficult assignments to his most trusted soldiers. I love that. I love that quote. God gives his most difficult assignments to his most trusted soldiers. Remember, there's nothing that can come your way unless God allows it to. So even if we're going through suffering and pain, God's allowed it into our lives and he's going to use it for a purpose of saving other lives. He's going to use you to save other people. We need to look through the lens of grit and determination sometimes. We need to just look at it and think, I've got to get through this with grit and determination and say, God has got a plan. He's got it in control. He's up to something. I don't understand it, but I'm going to get through this and I'm going to trust God and watch him do something that I never imagined was possible that God's power will be at work. I'm going to lean on him even more. I'm going to serve on him, him even more with even more passion. And I'm going to reach out to those who need Jesus with every single piece of me. God can use our pain. Even the most difficult situations, God um, can use our pain. You know, I remember um, a situation in our lives. Obviously, you, you will all know and you've shared us, with us in this. Um, but when we lost our daughter, Elsie, um, I remember it was my church family that supported us. And we're so grateful for that because there were so many kind and loving and supportive words that pulled us through that time in our time of loss. But I remember one lady and she was from Spurgeon Church and she came to visit me and um, she had lost a child herself and she had set up an organisation called SANS um, and she came down and she spent hours with me just chatting me through it. And honestly, she was amazing because she had an empathy that I knew that she knew. 
I knew that she understood and I knew that she was allowing God to use her to bring hope and to bring his love and his peace into that situation. And, and I really felt that she was someone who thought, I've had this heartache, I've had this tragedy, but I'm going to look through the lens of saying, how, God, can I use this to help other people? How can I use this to help others? And so this Christmas, I'm going to take it right back to Christmas as we're coming up to our Christmas activities. We have an excellent opportunity to share Jesus with others. Excellent opportunities to share Jesus with those in our community. We have the Christmas bus. You know, three, Jan, keep telling me, is it three or two weeks on Thursday? Two weeks. Yeah, 30th of November is the first one. Two weeks on Thursday, we'll be going out for the first time. And we are going to be serving refreshments like we always do, but we're also going to be having an opportunity for prayer. We're going to have a prayer, um, creative prayer station where people can have prayer. Um, so we really is stepping out, sharing Jesus at Christmas. We're going to do a carol service on the Jeanne Estate, you know, where we can just share God's love and, and with the children and with the families down there. And sometimes I think we can, when we hear these things, we can look at these opportunities and we can put a lens on, on ourselves of like, oh, what good could I be? What could I possibly do when I go down there? I'm not really in the right place. That's for somebody else. And we look through these lenses and we sort of dismiss ourselves from what God is asking us to do. But maybe we need to put on that lens that says, I can share my experience with someone else. God could use me and what I've been through to talk to somebody else. Or a lens that says, I'm going to go there because I'm expectant that God is going to work and God is going to move. And sometimes we just need to change those lenses to be excited about what God is doing rather than disqualifying ourselves um, straight away. So I'm going to pray for us. I want to pray for us this evening. Um, I want us to all to stand and I'm just going to pray for us. Can I ask the band to come back up now? I'm just going to pray for us all this evening. And then um, as we worship, if you feel like there's something that you really want to pray through with someone more, then the um, prayer ministry team will be down here in the front corner. So you can come and receive prayer if there's something that you really feel like, actually, I need someone to pray with me on this. But let's just pray together this evening. Father God, I want to say thank you this evening that you have a plan and you have a purpose for every single life stood here tonight. I thank you, Father God, that you have a calling upon each of our lives. Father God, I just pray for those who are going through a real struggle or a really difficult situation at this time, who it seems to be going on forever and ever. Lord Jesus, I just pray that they would be able to see through the lens of eternity, of a hope in you. That you are there with them and you're doing something amazing in them through the struggle. Father, I just pray for those who disqualify themselves and not feeling good enough or unable to do something. Father God, I pray that you just put your lens on, on, the, on them this evening, that they would see that you've created them with these gifts and talents and you've taken them through things that are able to share to bring other people to come to know you. 
I pray for those who have a lens of fear. Would you remove it and place it with your peace? Father God, I just pray by your Holy Spirit, you would move amongst us. You would do something so special in us that is working out for eternity. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and move amongst us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.